Happy Tuesday, everyone. You know what time it is. It's picking bones time. We've got something controversial to talk about today. Something that I have scratched my head and have felt pangs in my conscience over for, uh, I don't know, probably close to a decade now. Um, and uh, that is, it has something to do with bow fishing. It's kind of like the uh, elephant in the room with bow fishing. Um, what do you do with the fish after you shoot it? And there's nobody better to talk to about this than Matt Schillinger of AMS Bow Fishing. And uh, Matthew here is going to have to serve as our like uh, our official judge on uh, you know what's ethical and what's right. He's our he's our standard. <laughs> no pressure, man. But I got. Her. <laughs> but I, I gotta imagine you run into that all the time you know what you shoot these fish it's not you know that's where be, you know bow fishing kind of crosses over into the hunting area where okay can't throw it back now um you know it's it is what it is i just punched a hole through this fish and uh um now what so right what you know do, do people talk about this much i mean you're really deep into the the you know I don't really want to, I don't want to say sport because I think it's more than a sport. I think it's like a, a lifestyle. Um, right. But, for sure. but when you, you know, when you're hanging out with the other folks that are just, that really pour their, their heart and soul into bow fishing, do you guys ever talk about this much, this question? Yeah, no doubt. Kent. um, you know, especially during tournaments, Mm. Um, you know, because you'll be coming in with, uh, you know, we've come in already with 140,000 pounds of total fish in a one night tournament from all the team shooting. Whoa. What do you do with all those fish? You know? Um, and then, then also it's, it's really big because some of you have bad apples and everything, Mm -hmm. right? Just like we have some bad apples in the sport of boat fishing that will just leave their carpet boat landings. Um, and they'll just throw them in ditches and that leaves Mm -hmm. a bad eye for everybody. Yeah because people drive by, they see them, they come to the boat landings to put their boats in, they see those fish laying there, they're rotten, they're smelling. Mm-hmm. So you really need to know before you even go on the water, what am I going to do with these fish? Mm-hmm. Um, several states have different rules and regulations on and as, as what you can do with them. For example, here in Wisconsin, you cannot shoot, you cannot throw a fish back in the water once you shoot it with the bone arrow. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to have plans of what you're going to do with that. Um, just down the road here from my house is a huge farm operation. Okay. Um, they let me take the carp that we shoot and we take them there and put them into their manure pits. Oh. And um, it's, it's, it's great. Uh, they love it. And uh, they use it to spread it out on their field. Yeah, sure. sure. It works really good for that. And, um, and on that, you know, always um, give the farmer or something like that, something back in return. Uh, you know, I give them a, good old case of beer, a couple of hats. Um, I'll stop out and just talk to them and see how things are going out there mm-hmm. and just thank them for letting you do that. Um, I've also taken them here to the Marshfield Zoo. Okay. And, uh, they've, taken, they've taken a bunch of the fish and they've, uh, they freeze them. Then they feed them to the raptors in their raptor centers. Oh, that's they feed cool. Them to some of their bears. Yeah. Yep. That's really so That's cool. a really neat deal. Sure. So always have a plan before you do something, you know, before you go bow fishing. What are we going to do with these? Mm-hmm. Another great thing to do is I use them for fertilizer for my food plots, for my deer hunting food plots. Oh, yeah. Um, 
great fertilizer for that for your clover, your turnips, your brassicas. Um, put them out there in the dead of you know dead of summer and let them yeah. cook out there in the heat. Let them decompose and sink into the ground. There, great fertilizer. Yeah. Um, so so in Wisconsin, you can't throw your carp back into the water. Do not do not leave them in the ditches and mm. boat lines for people to see. Have a plan what you're going to do. A lot of the local farmers will gladly take them and use them for fertilizer. Now, another thing that you can do here in Wisconsin is early this season when the waters are so cold, we'll smoke carp. Okay. Uh, carp are really good smoked. Yeah. You know, they're really good smoked. Um, and there are recipes out there for actually, you know, doing other things with carp, uh, dips and stuff like that also. Now, of course, there are certain ways you got to clean them to get that mud line out of there and kind of get, you don't want to have that hard fishy uh taste to none of that stuff mm -hmm. um so that's a couple options here in wisconsin like i said local farmers are the best pig farmers the pigs go crazy over them <laughs> that's eat what them i was like thinking crazy. yeah pigs <laughs> pigs will eat just about anything absolutely so now we look at i go to kentucky a lot okay mm -hmm. um one of the really cool things about kentucky and this was brought on mainly because of their they're high numbers of invasive uh, Asian carp that they have down there. The big heads and the silvers have sure. overtaken a lot of the waterways down there. One really cool thing that you can do down there is you can sink your fish. Okay. So as long as you go between the channel markers, like on Kentucky Lake or on the tailwaters, the Cumberland and Tennessee rivers down there, you can shoot a bunch of fish and then run down, run down below the dams there and you can sink them. Now, what you got to do is you got to puncture their airbags. Okay. Okay. So you, we we use gas, mm -hmm. and, we, and when you hit one of those fish in the airbags, you can hear the air, you know, coming out of it. Yeah. And then you sink them, and then that way they don't float on the surface; they sink to the bottom. Yeah. And then that way they get eaten up by the turtles. Um, oh yeah. A lot of small fry will eat on that. Mm -hmm. Um. Other other fish species will eat on that, and then the current just slowly just takes them down the river, and they just decompose in the water system. Yep. Um, so that's another cool thing. Um, for example, a couple of years ago, uh, they had the, the world's championship out in South Dakota okay. and you had, you know, a hundred and so teams coming out there. They're pre-scouting for the tournament. They're shooting a little bit of fish before the tournament to get weights. Almost all of them were asking local farmers out in that area. And we didn't have any complaints at all about anybody doing anything, you know, that gave us a bad eye. Um, sure. The farmers out there gladly took them. It was awesome. Yeah. It was really cool. And um, so so check with local farmers, pig farmers, crayfish farmers, zoos. And uh, really, if you do travel out of your state, make sure you know what those rules and regulations yeah. are. That's a great uh, point. Because you don't want to get a fine, you know, and you don't want to leave a bad eye for other boat fishes in that state where you're not even from. A um, couple years ago, we were down in Tennessee. And... Um, we were actually on Real Foot Lake, Tennessee, and uh, they had a, a small museum there and then a, a raptor center for injured raptors that were there. Mm -hmm. They were so glad to take all of our fish. We just stopped and asked them, <laughs> hey, you guys want our fish? That's and awesome. they were so glad they took, they took all of our fish. It was really cool. It was awesome. And um, this year for our tournament, the AMS Big 20, we will... Uh, cattle farmer come in yeah it was 10 miles away he brought a dump truck and another and he filled those things up with everything he could get in those 
And he took them and he's going to work up with fields, cover them up with dirt, let them decompose, and then he spreads feed out there and let's, let's weed or rye or whatever come up for the beepers to eat on. And so he, so that's what we did with a lot of fish for our tournament this year. But always have a plan of what you're going to do before you even step foot in the boat and start shooting fish. That's a must for bow fishing. Hmm. Yeah, man, there are some great ideas in there. And I love the community aspect of going around, communicating with people. Hey, this is what I like to do. Um, you know, can I, can we kind of help each other out here? And I love that. You know, another one I thought of is, um, organic farmers. Uh, they are always looking for, uh, you know, something that is, that fits within organic regulations. And I have heard of, uh, organic farmers using, uh, fish as, uh, um, fertilizer for their for their fields or their gardens or whatever so might be another good option and uh mm-hmm. man i just love how creative some of those ideas were though the raptor centers the zoo yeah <laughs> it's just yeah. it's just it's just a great <laughs> idea I, I love it um absolutely now someone absolutely. might be listening in and be like okay so you found something to do with it should you even be shoot uh, shooting these fish at all these fish are uh, that's a lot, you know, like you said, 140,000 pounds of fish. That's a lot of killing. And that's kind of the other question that's kind of tough to answer with, with, um, bow fishing, but I think is answerable in a good way. Like, I think there's some good arguments there for them and I'll offer some of mine here, although you'll probably hit them anyways. But what would you tell somebody who said, I mean, the only thing i see coming out of this is you guys are just having a bunch of fun while all these fish have to die what right. what uh would you what would be your argument to that person and, and that's a great question kent because we get that a lot on our social media when you mm-hmm. post a lot of videos on instagram and facebook and stuff like that you always see the comments why are you doing that uh, or or what are you doing that for yeah and um the, 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 the best answer is we're dealing with invasive species. Yep. All right. We're dealing with rough fish. Uh, yep. These fish are not native to the American waterways. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, you know, they were brought over here, you know, years and years ago. Um, they were transplanted here and they will literally take over waterways because yeah. once those, once a carp gets, you know, three to four pounds, there's really not a predator out there except a couple of muskies and some northerns here and there. Yeah. But they're such prolific spawners. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at a at a twenty pound female carp can lay over two million eggs, Man. and um, sometimes they can spawn multiple times a year. Wow! Um, and another reason that they need to be controlled is because they will disrupt and destroy a lot of the na- native uh, fish species spawning areas. Mm-hmm. Okay. They don't go in there and eat the eggs of like your walleyes and bluegills, but they'll disturb it up to where they can't, they don't have a good hatch then because they're disturbing it because they're filter feeding on the bottoms of those areas where your native fish like to go in and spawn. Yep. And they wreck a lot of the spawning habitats. Yep. Um, now, for example, you look at like the Asian carp, the big heads and silvers. Yes. I, I, I read a stat where like the silver carp in the Illinois River. It was like 97% of the biomass were silver carp. That's insane. Holy cow. It is. It, it, that's mind-blowing when you think about that. Yeah. So, so, you know, so either they 
they and, pay a lot of money to try to keep that, these fish out of the Great Lakes. And to, to illustrate your point there, the Illinois River at one time was referred to as the Sauger capital of the world. Now, the Correct. only thing people associate the Illinois River with are silver carp. Yeah, exactly. Yep, yep, yep exactly. Um, you know, they were brought over here and put into um, aquaculture farms to help control, you know, uh, the vegetation and stuff on the tops mm-hmm. of the waters. And when natural flooding happened, they got onto the river systems. And in 20 years, look what's happened. Um, yeah. They're spending millions of dollars, you know, trying to net these and put up electric shock barriers so we don't get into the Great Lakes. Yep. Um, they have totally taken over, like, the Kentucky Lake area. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's commercial netters down there that are netting out, you know, five, 6,000 pounds every time they go out of silvers. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you look at it, it's almost mind-blowing to see it if you go down there below the dams, the amount of fish that are up on the surface. And when you look at your like Navionics and stuff like that on your, or your GPS units and your, and yeah. your sonars and stuff, it goes down, you know, 10 feet below the surface. It's just a huge column of millions of fish. Um, what's going to control those. Right. The only person that's going to control those right now are the boat fishermen, yep. you know, and a couple of guys that are commercial netting them down there. Yep. So, um, they, they also wreak havoc on your, your native fish, like your paddlefish, your catfish, mm. um, because they're plankton eaters as well, unlike the carp. Yeah. So they're feeding it. We've, we've seen the average size of paddlefish go down drastically down mm. there. They look like a, a nail. There is nothing left of their bodies because everything is taken out of their, their food chain for them, Man. for them silver carp and big heads. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah. So they I- need to be controlled. You know, mm-hmm. they need to be controlled and, and they're uh, rough fish. Um, so that's why we're doing it to help, you know, and also algae blooms. That's one of the big reasons here in Wisconsin we have such large algae blooms is because when a carp is down the bottom filter feeding and sucking up the sediments from the cattle roots and other vegetation, they're releasing a lot of phosphorus. Mm. When that phosphorus goes to the surface. You get those that's warm dog days in July and August. Yeah. And you get those large algae blooms. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I've seen pictures where they um, totally netted out and removed all the carp from a half of a lake, and the other half they didn't do nothing with it. And the aerial view was just astonishing at the difference in water clarity compared mm. to the other side. It was just amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that is fascinating. I never heard of that one before, but it makes sense for sure. That nutrient mm-hmm. load just coming off that many fish that are you know taking yeah. they're ruining natural nutrient cycles you know they're they're right. hot wiring them so to speak and right the, yep. the the results of doing so man yeah that's interesting of course there are mm-hmm. at least in uh illinois and i believe in iowa there are a few other fish species that are considered rough species but are native to our states like uh the gar uh different few different gar right. species um, I think we have short nose and spotted and uh, long, long nose, nose. Go- gar. Yep. Is there a short nose yep. gar? Am I? Mm-hmm. It, there is a short nose, isn't there? Nope, you're correct. There's okay. Yep. Gar. Yep. That's correct. And, and then there's, um, of course, dogfish and mm-hmm. uh, buffalo. Um, right. And I guess my argument for those species, because they are native, certainly 
you know, one of the weird things about water ecosystems is how easily you can throw them out of balance because what's in there is contained to the container that they're swimming in, you know, the pond or the lake. Right. Now, when you got a river system, obviously that's, you know, there's a lot more flexibility there for the ecosystems, but, but, um, mm-hmm. but with a, a lake or a pond, especially those, a lot, at least the gar and the dogfish, those are some of the top predators in those waters and they can really, you know, they, they can, uh, really put a hurting on, you know, some of the other game species. So and sure. whereas those other game species can't quite compete with them. So, um, right. You want to, you want to keep their populations in check, but also some of them you can just eat, you know, like, uh, I've heard of people eating gar they say, it, yeah, it tastes great if you prepare it the right way. Um, I yep. remember when I was living in Wisconsin for college, on the Rock River, they would um, uh, every spring. I think it was, it was either spring or fall. I think it was spring. Um, yeah, they're spring spawn or buffalo, aren't they? Yep, correct. They mm-hmm. would. Uh, <laughs> I think I can't remember if they were fishing with nets or if they were fishing with uh, hook and line. But everyone would wheel their garbage, their city garbage can, down to this bridge. And they would catch these buffalo, and I can't remember how they did it, but they'd catch it, and then they'd quick throw them in that trash can, and uh, then they'd have their line back in the water and catch these spawning yeah. these spawning buffalo. And I, as far as I knew, they were eating them. Uh, they were taking them back home, yep. and, and they were eating them. They just they're such big fish; you need a giant container, right? And so they would throw yep. them in their in their trash can. But <laughs> so I mean, people are eating those, um, you know. So. There you might want to, and plus even going back to the carp, I've had a uh, carp before. Uh, there used to be this awesome restaurant in Omaha, Nebraska called Joe Tess Fish Place. There was actually featured on uh, uh, Guy Fieri's uh, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. Uh, he went there, and their favorite or their famous thing was they served carp at this restaurant, and uh, they'd fry it. I think they scored theirs maybe and uh, sure. got all the bones out. And then uh, the mm-hmm. the thing to get was called a carp double. But sadly, oh, after, wow. after being in business for like 100 years, just a year or two ago, they had to shut down. So, uh, But, oh, wow. but uh, you know, I've had carp, and then I hear all the time. I've never had uh, any of the Asian carp species, but I hear that. They're is excellent. Del- yeah, excellent fish, like crappie is yes. how it's compared to. Uh, Cause they're Absolutely. filter feeders. They, you know, it's a very white, exactly. very mm-hmm. white fish, you know? So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, there's, there's, there's a couple different options there, but I agree with, with, uh, Matthew here that the biggest thing is the invasive species side of things. Um, it's just another way that motivates people to take up action to try and solve some of these problems. You know, you might be thinking, well, why can't the DNR do it? Because the DNR doesn't have the resources to deal with that many fish. They need help. And you know Mm -hmm. what it's going to take for the DNR to get more resources to do that? It's going to take more of your tax dollars. So instead, instead, when you allow hunters and anglers or a mix of both in this case, uh, to, (laughs) to step up and buy fishing licenses, which I think is all it takes, right? For, for going bow fishing, um, generally yes, yep, yep. So you get you get the 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 state gets revenue off off the sale of those licenses. So mm-hmm. I think I think that absolutely, ab, you know, there's absolutely a good reason for why bow fishing is 
taking place, why people are crazy about it. And, um, uh, you know, I think there's a good, a good reason defending it. And, uh, if you're thinking about trying it, you absolutely should. But well, that, uh, wraps up our episode of picking bones. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please remember this podcast is presented by Spartan forge. Spartan forge is the leading mapping app in the deer woods and definitely the leader for deer behavior prediction. You want to know what days you should be hunting? Check Spartan Forge. Uh, you want to know uh, what the deer are going to be doing in your neck of the woods? Check Spartan Forge. You want to even just check, you really want a really accurate weather app? Check Spartan Forge. Uh, there's so much good stuff there. You need to write down what you're seeing when you're in your tree stand so you can make decisions based on uh, that day then and then a year later and the year after that you can kind of start you know plotting out enough data there to get in get a feel for how the deer are moving on the properties that you have permission to hunt or maybe you're a public land hunter spartan forge has you covered there as well uh, you can find a link for spartan forge if you go into the show notes uh, look down there you'll see one click on it get over to the website and that should take you to your respective app store whether you're a apple person or an android person <clears throat> The app exists for both, of course, either in the Apple App Store or in the Google Play Store. You can download the app for free, and then you can make a couple in-app purchases for a better subscription if you want more services from that app. Um, I do all of them all year long, but you can do a select, your, you know, your own selection for what you need for the select time of the year. And, uh, um, you know, wait till deer season, but deer season comes so fast. And if you're like me, you're thinking about it literally every day. So may as well just have it for the whole year. But again, you can find that link there in the show notes, or if you go to my Instagram, click on my link tree in my bio should be one of the top links that you'll see there. Again, a big thank you to Spartan Forge, the presenting sponsor for this podcast. And then if you're considering a hunting trip, that is going to be one you're going to remember the rest of your life. You're going to want to do it the right way. And the best way to do that is with a, a class leading hunt planner. And that is Alex Gruen over at East to West Hunts. Go to easttowesthunts.com and get linked up with Alex. He will plan your hunt. He will take phone calls from you. He will uh, answer your questions about what gear to bring, what units are best for applying for tags. Or if you don't have time to do all that, you can just hire Alex to take care of all of it for you. He'll apply for your tags. He'll uh, um, buy you points. He'll, and then he'll put your hunt plan together when you draw. And um, he'll even help you figure out what taxidermist to go to. Or if you don't have all the gear you need, Alex will help you with that. You go over to easttowesthunts.com. Use the promo code FIRSTGEN10 at checkout. You'll save yourself 10%. You can roll that money into a new AMS bow fishing rig of your own. So thank you so much, Matthew, for uh, joining me for this episode of Picking Bones. Thank you to everyone tuning in. Love you all. Leave a five-star review if you haven't yet. And until next time, take care and take somebody hunting.